Guides for through second grade or dismiss the children's church with Miss Camille. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. If you would uh, look in your bulletins there um, or turn in your Bibles to Exodus. We're looking at Exodus. I, I, uh, I left some verses out. You're thinking, really? This is not enough? Uh, I left out a section, three verses from uh, the preceding chapter. We're actually starting with um, verse 33 of chapter 21. Um, and uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but it's, it's, it connects. And... Uh, and um, again, like this is like I said last week, this is one of those passages that it's not it's not one you've memorized. There's not a memory verse in here. Um, it's not this is not prescriptive law of God. This isn't Decalogue, Ten Commandments. This is the this is uh... Joseph. You left at my glasses. Are you too? Okay, anyway, my son's laughing at me. Anyway, um, but this is, this is descriptive law of, of how, God, how God's Word, the eternal Word, the binding Word of the Ten Commandments is applied to the society of Israel under, under this theocracy, under, in, in this time of Moses and their, and their wilderness wandering and even into their, their coming into the Promised Land. So this is not... This is not uh, Prescriptive. This is descriptive. It's not uh, foundational law. It's case law. Another way of saying it for the lawyers in the room. It, and uh, so, as we read this, this doesn't have the same. This isn't. This is how our laws in our land should exactly be. But it, the our valid application is a valid application of God's law to a particular historical time and and, and culture. In society, and so that's how we read this. Um, so, with that intriguing uh, hook there, uh, <laughs> let's start. Let's start reading. We'll take a deep breath. I'm going to take breaths in between, but we're going to read uh, ch- starting at chapter 21, verse 33 through 23, verse 9. And before I read, we're going to we're going to pray. Let's pray. Lord God, every page of the Scripture. Is, is from you, inspired by you. It's for, our, uh, it's for us, even 21st century Christians, even this part of, your, of Exodus is for us. It's beneficial. It's for our um, encouragement, for our reproof, for our edification. It's, it's inspired, um, and, and we, we need it. And uh, so, Lord, help us as we read it to understand it. Help me as I preach it to, to accurately explain it. And, Lord, help us come away, even from this, this passage, seeing you, Lord Jesus, and seeing how precious you are and how much we need you and how available you are to sinners like us, Lord. So work that in our hearts this morning. Uh, through your word, by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, 
The owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, its owner has not kept it, and his owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox or, and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft." If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over or lets his beast, beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and in his own vineyard. <coughs> if fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he who started the fire shall make restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God and show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox or for a donkey, um, for a sheep or for a cloak, for any kind of lost thing of which one says, this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to be kept safe, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn by beasts, let him bring it as evidence... He shall not make restitution for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything of his own neighbor, of his neighbor, and it, it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If he was hired, it came for its hiring fee. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor... You shall not be like a moneylender to him, 
and you shall not exact interest from him. If you ever, if ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother, and on the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not... Join hands with the wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many so as to pervert justice. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden... You shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. You shall not pervert the justice due to the poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress the sojourner, You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. There's a lot of rules here. There's a lot of ordinances. Again, like I said, they don't hold the same weight as the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments applied. And it made me think of all the things, you know, some of the things here you think, did that, did that even have to be said? <laughs> and it made me think about, as a parent, all the things I've said that I didn't think I would have to say. You know? You know, there are rules. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like the, the hair dryer, you know? You got that tag on the hair dryer, the pictures, like, don't use it in the bathtub. Like, did that need even, does that tag, why does that tag on there? You know, why, does that need to be said? Don't we all know electricity and water are not a good mix? But yet, why is it on there? It happened. It happened, you know? And that's kind of what, that's kind of what I'm talking about as a parent. Things you think you, don't, you would have to say that, you know. I didn't think I have to say that. My favorite, one of my friends, their best, their best line is, Son, we do not eat mud off trucks. <laughs> Did you think that would have to be said, you know? But to a four-year-old boy who's hungry, sitting there next to a truck with mud caked on it, I guess it looked like chocolate, or he's just like, you know what, I'm curious, let's put it in my mouth. Son, we do not eat mud off trucks. You didn't, I mean, that, that sentence had probably never been said in all of history until that moment. But that's his, his example. Mine is, and this isn't with my kids, I have other examples, I'm not going to use one of them, but, but I, I, there's things I say all the time, like, is that, you know... We don't bite each other. Did I have to say that? You know, anyway. But uh, one, I had to say, not to my kid, someone else's kid. Yes, I'll do that. Um, I was, it was at the Saturday soccer down here. And, um, 
and Taylor, Taylor was there. She's a witness. Uh, I, I was talking to Taylor one, one sunny Saturday afternoon or morning, and I look over and I, and I exclaimed in a very loud voice, We do not throw hammers. And never thought I'd say that. But a young man found a hammer on the side of the hill uh, coming off the gym, and his little playmates were down at the bottom of the hill, and I just look and see this hammer flying in the air, heading down toward the children. And I yelled, we do not throw hammers. And like all the parents were, whoosh, you know. And, uh, and then I yelled out of just exasperation, I can't believe I had to say that out loud. And, I, and uh, anyway, it was, it was for the kids good. I'm convinced of it. Anyway, there are things that we, I, I didn't think I'd have to say that. Explain that. Apply, you know. You know, the greater law is thou shalt not murder. And then the application is don't throw hammers. Okay? And, uh, but God's word is applied in ways you don't think, you know, you don't think you'll have to do. And so this is, this kind of makes me think of that. There's laws you, I read here and go, oh, that's good. And there's some things you're going, did, why did that even have to be said? Wasn't, wasn't the, the prescriptive law enough? And what you realize here as we read this is that this, this is a sinful, broken people. And because of that, they need clarity. They need application. And they need God's Word to land and be applied to them in specific areas of struggle and sin. And that's what God does in His goodness and grace to, the, to His people. He goes, here's, here's my law and I'm going to apply it to right where you are. And, and, and I think that the big point here, the big thing I want you to see is we, the big picture is... God applies His eternal uh, 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 binding law to the day-to-day lives of His people out of love and for love. Out of love and for love. That's the thesis. Okay? That's the big point. And so, there's uh, a few sub-points here. There's actually um, five. Uh, again, how does God apply this love? How does He give apply this out of love for them and for love? How, how, he's basically saying, how do I do right? How am I to do right by the people I'm with, by my neighbor? And He, uh, he, and he elaborates on that. Um, so the first thing, there's five. The first is, we see in this, in this text... And is trying to apply love for one another. He he says, firstly, um, this is. I want you to make sure that provision is restored. Provision restored. Secondly, I want you to make sure that purity is protected. Thirdly, he makes sure that worship is defined. Fourthly, that truth is upheld. And then fifth, that compassion is applied amongst his people. So we see that first. Again, this is how do we love one another? How, do I, how am I righteous toward uh, my neighbor? First thing he says is, I want you to make sure that provision is restored. And you see that in these opening verses of 33 um, uh, through uh, 14, 15. Um, we live in a world, in a culture where we think 
We're very, we're highly individualistic. We're, we, we kind of, we, we have houses that, you know, and, and, uh, our, our, the way our neighborhoods are laid out, we have a, you know our little driveways. We can come and go as we please. We don't really have to talk to our neighbor. We we're kind of doing life on our own, uh, you know, figuring life out on our own. And oftentimes, you know, people say this this comment is very this 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 phrase this sentence is very common now. What does that have to do with me? <laughs> you know, I think that's a it kind of captures our how we think about our, ourselves and one another as Americans. What do I care? <laughs> That's another one. Basically, it's like, this is something going on with this person, but how, what does that have to do with me? Why, why should I care? What, 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 what's the point? Um, this is actually, I think, that comes out of um, uh, nihilism, <laughs> this, this kind of thinking. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche, who you know, he, he came up with uh, nihilism, he says, you have, you have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. That was how he thought about life, and that's really how we uh, left our own devices, how we function, I believe, especially in 21st century uh, America. But what God is saying is that the, he's, what he wants, his heart is, is, is outward, is turned outward toward not just himself, but toward his people. And again, that's on every page of the scripture, especially you know, the, what we've looked at in Exodus. His heart is for his people and for their well-being, and he wants his people's heart to be toward one another for their well-being, even when it comes to their property. Because what is, what is the property? What are these things, the ox and the donkey and the sheep and the, and, and the fields? It's God's provision to this person. It's what God has given to them to sustain them. It's how God is you know, meeting their, their needs. Providing for them, and so it, it, if, if all good things, as we have sung, as we said, as we read this morning, come from God, then it's important that I'm I care about the provision of God to my neighbor, and I, I want to be in step with the Lord in helping my neighbor and and preserving what God has provided to them. And you see that, that's, that's really what's being played out here. You know, it's interesting, if, you know, I love that we open the passage with, when a man opens a pit. That was just an interesting phrase to start with. But you, you get that. When you're doing work and, and you leave something, uh, something uncovered uh, that someone or an animal can be injured in, then that's your, that, you have not considered your neighbor and their property. Um, if, if you lost an oxen or if you lost a sheep, you, you lost... That's like losing your car. <laughs> losing your tractor. Who has a tractor? Imagine you, your tractor falls into a pit. That's a bad day, right? Um, but that's, that, was, that sustained them. That was their means of survival. And it was important that they had these objects. So, you know, just to summarize, if, if anything you do, if, any, if I, you know, if it was my fault or my carelessness or my, my oversight, if it leads to something that's yours or something that belongs to someone else getting, uh, getting destroyed or harmed, I need to make it right. The, the, he expected the person at fault to make it right. Again, because you're preserving, you're caring for this person, and you're preserving what God has provided to them. 
But, you know, there's, there's degrees of, of guilt here. Again, God is a just God. And so if it's, there's, you know, if you steal and sell it, right? If you, there, there's no question that, that this was uh, intentional, right? Oh, I just got the wrong ox. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was mine. There's, you know, you got it and you sold it. Well, you owe not just double. You owe four, fivefold if it's an ox and fourfold as a sheep. Why? I don't know. Just what it says. So anyway, but it's it was because it was worse. It was a worse penalty because of the intent behind it. You took it and you sold it. Clearly, that's what your intent was. But if you go and go, hey, do you have my ox? Yeah, I guess that's yours right back there. And you get it back. He only had to pay double because again the. You know, couldn't be proven what the intent was. But there was still restitution. And that's the, that's the word you see again and again and again in this text. The, that restitution. That's a, the Hebrew it means completion, wholeness, entirety. That it was... God cared about justice. He cared about equity. He cared about people being cared for. And for us not to be careless about people's safety or their, or their property. Even if someone asks you to hang on to something for You know, we've done that before. Hey, can I leave my car at your house? Can I do this? And, you know, you can think about those scenarios. If something happened, the car was stolen or went missing. I, say I left my car at, at, at Joseph's house, uh, Johnson, and, and then the next day I wanted to get it. And he goes, I don't know what happened, you know? <laughs> you know, if there was a video of somebody taking it, well, then we go to the authorities. We know someone took it. But you know here it says, if there was no evidence and no one saw it, then, you know what? I'm sorry I picked you, Joe. This was not planned. He goes, then, then how do you know that the person you left it with didn't take it? And then the, you, go to, you go to the judges and let God decide through the judges over his people. Like, again, there was, that God cared about how these things being restored. Uh, have you ever had something stolen and reported it to the police? And then sometimes there's just they're overwhelmed. They go, I don't know if we'll ever get it back. Now I've I've been up the police department here at APD, and they get a lot of stuff back. I mean, there's in the age of cameras and witnesses and all that, they can pretty much track things down. But but sometimes it's just like, well, sorry, it's. But I mean, that feels so violating when you when you get something that's taken that's yours. But you know, God does provide, and God there is a biblical category for ownership and property. And he cares about people being cared for. He cares about his provision to them being restored and there being restitution. How do I love my neighbor? When I'm at fault, I want to make it right. That's what he's saying. When you're at fault for something, for loss of, of property or an animal, make it right. If there's theft, it should be, there should be justice. But restitution is required. Provision must be restored. And this is just, this is an elaboration of the Eighth Commandment. The positive of thou shalt not steal is taking care, not just of what's yours, but what belongs to someone else. It matters. Um, taking care of what, uh, being good stewards of what's ours and what belongs to our brothers and sisters. Second thing is purity protected. You see that in verses 16 through 17. Um, this is uh, really, as you read it, I, you know, at first it seems so 
weird. You have betrothed and bride price, and it's just so antiquated. But I, what I want you to see here is that this is a, an application of which commandment? This is easy, you know. The seventh. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And this is one where he's... The, in this culture and this brokenness of, of even Israel, there was sexual sin. And young women would be taken advantage of by older men. And what God said is, if that happens, he has to do right by this woman. He needs to... The, this man who's violated her... Now, this is not a, a case of of something done against her will. It says that she was seduced, so this is a willing act. But if that happens, she's not left with culturally be seen as, okay, well now she's, quote, damaged goods, and okay, she has no place, she'll never get married. No, if, that, if, if he does that to her, she's gonna, he's going to marry, he's going to offer the bride price to her father, and guess what? The father can look at him and go, nah, <laughs> not you, but you're still going to pay. And why did, why did God do that? To, so there's consequences. So this young woman is taken care of even in her misstep. But also, um, she, her, her reputation can be preserved and there is, there is a, a consequence for men who are, would, would prey upon such women. And so God's God's got a provision there, and you, and you think about this 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 reality. You know, today who suffers the consequence usually when this happens? It's the young woman, right? Especially if if they're with child, who who, who endures the shame and the public the public shaming and the rejection? It's the woman. But you note here. You see God's compassion and justice. The young lady and her family were protected. Um, and it's not right, you know, even today as we think about that, that, it's the, that the, the guilt and the weight of the mistake of the sin would fall on the woman only. This, this makes sense. <laughs> Not, I'm not saying let's, let's make it an amendment to the Alabama state constitution. I'm saying, but you see God's love and care for people even in their sin. That he wants, to, he's not condoning this. He's not saying, guys, it's okay. He's saying, there's going to be a price. that th This isn't free. That a woman's purity means something. And to, to engage in this, in intimacy, physical intimacy, is to, is to say, I want to be married to this person. That's what this is saying. We don't think about those relationships in that way, do we? I mean, in our culture, it's not. It's not seen as something that's intended just for marriage. Or, But here, clearly... As God applies in a positive way, thou shalt not commit adultery. He's saying, when you take someone to bed, you're saying, I want to be married to you. That's what it intends. 
Third thing we see here is worship is defined. We see that in verses 18, 19, 20, and then 29 through 31. Now you might be asking, uh, there's this one verse that's the one I really want to skip. It's really the one you're going, did this need to be said? Is verse 19. And it's clear. I'm not going to say it again or go into detail. But why, you know, why did I not, you know, attach that one to uh, purity um, and, and, uh, and intimacy? Well, this was, according to the commentators I'm reading, this was a, a form of pagan worship. And so right there with, thou shalt not permit a sorceress to live and sacrificing to other gods, that's where this, this law is put. Now just think, think, okay, think about that for a minute. That needed to be expressly stated to God's covenant people. And, and why do I point that out? It, you know, oftentimes we go, man, has the world ever been this broken? Yeah, I mean, heinous sin, you know, and, and, you know involving the sixth... You know, breaking the sixth commandment, seventh commandment, all the it's it's been around a long time since the fall, and here's evidence that this isn't just something he had to say to, hey, you know, when he's some of the prophets are speaking to the other nations. No, this is hey, my people, don't do this. And again, why is the tag on the hair dryer? Somebody did it. <laughs> I don't know, sometimes we look at the back and go, oh, to be a, a believer back then, and oh, just to be totally... Div-. No, people struck... That they were in a broken culture, in a broken world, broken people that could not keep God's law. In some really... In our, like, just ways we go, oh. Now, I don't say that to, go, to be real judgy, but just to go, do you, do you see the depravity of man? Do you see the, the need... Why God had to speak into and apply His prescriptive law in these ways because sin is pervasive and it's ugly and it's present then and now. But He says, this is not how you worship. This is not how, where you look for life and satisfaction and, and worth. No, no. He goes, there's only me. And I'm not a God that, what, sorcery, you know, sometimes we have a lot of movies with sorcerers and wizards. And I remember people like, go to this and like, that's why you shouldn't watch Harry Potter. There it is, right there. But what, what it is, is, is that if you, sor- sorceress or sorcerers, whatever they were, people that thought they could, what, manipulate God through some kind of enchantment or right words or right sacrifice and get the gods to do for them what they wanted. And God says, uh-uh. I'm the sovereign God. No one manipulates me. Anyone who thinks they can, they sh- no, they should not be here. Death penalty. Um, false worship. False um, views of God. Trying to manipulate God. Sacrificing to other gods. All devote were, people were to be devoted to destruction. In fact, he gives the right way to worship here in verses 29 through 31. He goes, remember that 
I give you all that you have and all the first fruits belong to me, even the firstborn of the animals and the firstborn of your children, firstborn sons. And again, they weren't given up as sacrifice, but they were sacrifices given as substitute offerings in place of the firstborn who is devoted to God. Remember, I am the God. I give you all that you have. And that is how you should worship. You should worship by giving the first fruits to me. Provision is restored. He wants provision to be restored in Israel, purity to be protected in Israel, worship to be defined in Israel. And then fourth, he wants truth to be upheld. And, you know, this one, this, this, when we get to these verses, it probably, you know, reminds us, you know, think of the headlines we see every day. Right? Lawsuits. Um, there's all kind of, you know, in the politics, there's cases against Biden, case against Trump. There's people testifying. You're wondering if they're just, if they're telling the truth or not. You know, is, I mean, really, right? You know, everybody has ulterior motive, you know? I mean, I don't know if you watch this. I'm not, I'm not plugged to Fox News every day, but I am, you know, I'm watching different things and going, you know, I, I watch the news and I honestly go, are the people, all the people are saying that, that, John, that Joe Biden's son is, is guilty, they're all Republicans. <laughs> and all the people that are saying Trump is guilty, they're all Democrats. And I go, I don't know. What do I do with that? And we live in a day where, today it's like, I, if, if my team wins, then whatever, I need to say whatever it takes for my team to win. If I keep that guy from winning then my lies justified. That I mean that's that's how people think. And you see here it says there's this interesting if you look at verses 3 and 6 of chapter 23 it says one in what okay look at this chapter 3 nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Look at 6. You shall not pervert justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. And I asked the faith conversations, go, is that not contradict itself? Because one is saying, don't just side, don't just testify on behalf of the poor because they're poor. And the other side is don't take a bribe and testify on the side of the rich because you're getting money out of it. Where does, tr- where does justice lie? In the truth. And again, this, this is not directly applicable as law for us, but you see how it applies. Like, I've I got to be careful I'm not being partial to one side or another. Think about it in just in your relationships and day-to-day. If there's a conflict, am I speaking on behalf of the person I like the most, I identify with the most, or am I speaking truth to them? God says, be careful. Don't, you know, if you count yourself one of the poor and you want, to, you want your buddy to, to win the lawsuit or if you're, hey, there's a payday in this if I, you know, if I testify the right way. He's saying, look, don't do that. Don't pervert justice. Don't join. He says in verse 1, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You know, the thinking is, what, what if I'm just, I'm not really, I didn't bring the lawsuit, I didn't, I'm not really one of the, I'm just, I'm just, you know, giving testimonies, going, no, it's, it's very important. Even if you 
Even if you're on the losing side, even if it costs you something, maintain the truth above all. Because God is truth. There's no lie in Him. And then it says, verse 7, Keep far from a false charge. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous. For I will not acquit the wicked. And I think a valid interpretation there is, all you and I have to do, he's saying to his people Israel, all you have to do is tell the truth. I will take care of it. I will not acquit the wicked. You know, sometimes you, you read cases, you're involved, maybe you've been in a court case, and you've gone, I didn't feel like justice was done. I didn't feel like the truth was re- really came out. Um, Mom's back there. Gavin, Gavin, this way, up here, right there. All right. Hey, man. How you doing? All right. This is our inner 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 uh, mission. Here we go. All right. Now you're good. You're good. All right. It's all good. I'm glad you didn't walk in on that earlier part. You know what I'm saying? That was, that was some that was some PG-13 stuff. So God was sovereign in that. Um, but anyway, uh, but truth the truth is important. Truth should be upheld above all, and, and that's what He's showing us here. Don't be. Don't take a bribe. Don't let justice be perverted. Don't pick sides. Don't pick the poor over the rich, or the rich over the poor, the Democrat over the Republican, or the Republican over the Democrat, or the black over the white, or the white over the black. Whatever. No, truth is truth, and that should be present. That should how. That's how he wants his people to be to conduct themselves, and that's I think that holds spare for us as well. Finally. Provision restored, purity protected, worship defined, truth upheld, and then finally I want to end with compassion applied. And this is kind of the all all of the above, I think, right? It's kind of the cap, the, the, the catch all, you know. Uh, you know, on the on the multiple choice test, you know, A, B, C, D, all of the above. And sometimes they'll catch you with that because you know, you really want it to be all of the above, you know. Or they'll say none of the above and you just, just skip it. Anyway. I don't know. Anyway, but this is the all of the above. And, and, and this is how, just putting one another first. He says this. He says, particularly about the poor and the needy. He refers to them in verse 21. You see that. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will hear their cry. Let me stop. Again, this is one you might think, again, not because it's weird or gross or, uh, but did that need to be said? But the reality is because we're focused... So This is my heart. I'm so focused on what I'm doing and my needs and my family and my church. Are we, are we careful not only to not oppress, but to help and bless those in need around us? 
And this is the first time you see this, the, this phrase, I believe. This is the first time it's, it's mentioned. The Scripture is mentioned many times throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it becomes an, the idiom for the needy is the sojourner, widow, and orphan. The sojourner, the widow, and the orphan. And if you, if you go to, I'm not going to read all of them, but if you, there's so many. If you go to the, to the prophets, and you'll read, why, why, is he taking, why is he taking Israel uh, and Judah into captivity? Why are they being disciplined? Why is this? It's because of oppressing the poor, the sojourner, the widow, and the orphan. That's like almost on every, on all the when they when he's listing the sins, he's pointing to the leaders, and you see this in in, in Micah too. Um, Woe to those who divide devise wickedness and work evil on their beds when they the morning dawns. They perform it because it is in their power and their hand. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster from which you cannot remove your necks and you will not walk haughtily for it will be a time of disaster. And he says that pretty much here, doesn't he? When he's talking about the consequences if you do mistreat them, they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. I'm going to make, basically, you will become who you're victimizing. And this is where, you know, this is where Jesus gets. You know, there's, there's nothing new. He didn't come to undo the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. But when he, he's talking at the end of Matthew and he says, for those of you who helped the poor, who clothed them and fed them and met their needs and didn't just walk by, he goes, you will be with me. But those of you who, who didn't, you know, who didn't minister to me in my need, they'll go, well, where were you, Jesus? If we saw you naked and hungry and thirsty, we would have given. He goes, no, the least of these. If you, if you, that's me. Identify with these people, with the, the orphan, the widow, the sojourner, the oppressed. Don't, don't take advantage. Don't turn a blind eye. Even when someone's poor gives you a pledge for money. Don't, don't charge interest. Don't make money off someone who's already down and out, he says. Don't, when they give you a pledge of their cloak as a symbolic act, don't keep it. Give it to them because they need to be warm at night. Think about them before you think about yourself. Do right by those who are poor and needy, even in the court of law. Be, but when truth is on their side, speak it. And then he says this, he says, again, echoes, you know, Jesus says this again to us. He says, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, bring it back. Who likes doing favors for their enemies? Man. You know, do you, do you have enemies? Have you had enemies? Do you feel that? People that are just against you or maybe, maybe members of your family. I don't know. You know, people that are just out 
seem to be out to get you because of your faith, because of a misunderstanding. What? But he says, we're to love them. We're to help them. We're to go out of our way, even when it costs us time and resources, to, to, to help them. And, and, and uh, why? Matthew 5, Jesus elaborates on this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, 543 says, You've heard it, it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so they may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. That's why. I'm just going to stop there. That's why. To win them over. To demonstrate the love and compassion of the Lord. Winding this down. What, why, why, does he, why does he break down these laws? Why does he apply his law to his people in this way? He wants his people, he wants Israel to apply his law in their day-to-day lives because he gives his law out of love and gives his law, his law for love. We are called to rightly worship him, to protect the purity, our own purity, and that of others as best we can, to encourage them in the ways of the Lord. We're encouraged to, to care about other people's property and provision. We're, we're called to uphold the truth above all, even if it costs us something, even if it's the truth does not fall, fall in the, the, to our team or our side. And we're, and we're called above all to show compassion because what? God is immensely, eternally compassionate. While we were still enemies... He loved us. He showed compassion on us. He saved us. He set us free. He died for us, His enemies. And He continues every day, us who are poor and needy, to take care of us. How can we say we love our brother, love God, if we hate our brother? And that's the application for us today is... is I have God's word, I have his law, is given out of love so that I would know how to love. And as John says, to, if you love the Father, you're going to love your brother. If you don't love your brother, you, how can you love the Lord? We, again, as I said, it's the compassion of God, it's the grace of God, it's the mercy of God that we need because we can't do this on our own. We cannot keep it. Just like to kids, we have to say things like we never thought we'd have to say. And God has to speak in our hearts things we never, you know... Have you ever just surprised by your own sin? Surprised by the sin of others? Surprised by the thoughts and the actions of your, your, your very self? Like, oh man. Good. <laughs> good. God speaks a good word. It's a law of liberty, but also drives us to the cross. And that's where we're going to end. We're going to end with the table. The table where he says, look, you know... Come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden. The table where he says, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to give myself for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this, the, the role of the sacrificial lamb, the Passover meal. I, that's me. We are lawbreakers just like this people. 
He is the law keeper. And through Him, through the Spirit, we can, we see the beauty of this and can grow in it and begin to live a life that that's, begins to be worthy of, of Him through His Spirit. But He is the one who is... He keeps the eighth and the seventh and the first and the second and the third and the ninth commandment. All these commandments that are that are applied here, he keeps them, has kept them perfectly, and he makes a way. He is, he does right by us all the time, and he'll never stop. And out of that abundance of grace and mercy and righteousness we began to live and do right by one another more and more and more. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that that would be true for us. We do pray that um, compassion would be very evident um, in our lives. Compassion toward not only our friends, people like us, but people that are different, people that are destitute people, that are outsiders. Lord, give us a heart for all people. And Lord, help us remember that we too were once um, spiritually poor um, and destitute and fatherless. But we thank you now we can call you Father through um, the unity with you we have through Jesus Christ. We thank you that um, we are... We are your children and your people and receive the inheritance that is deserved by Christ. And Lord, help us to, out of the abundance of your grace, out of the, your perfect righteousness, Lord, to, to, be, to, to be moved to, to live as you, as you lived and to, and to love as you've loved. Um, may your grace move us that direction and may you use this meal as well as this word to to turn our gaze to you and uh, to change us fundamentally, Lord, day by day, conform us to your image. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. and we have a, a 
concise description of what this, of what this is we're about to do. Uh, communion is the family meal of Christians. And we invite all committed followers of Jesus Christ to, to, to share in this sacrament. Those who are baptized members of a congregation that proclaims the gospel, who are at peace with God and their neighbor, and who seek strength to live a deeper communion with Jesus. If you are not a Christian, you are not, or not prepared to share in this meal, we encourage you to spend this time in prayer. We hope that this time is helpful to you as you consider your relationship with Jesus Christ and with his people, the church. This is a meal for those who are at peace with God and their neighbor and who seek strength to live in a deeper communion with Jesus. We all fall short. We've all broken these commandments. There's not one we haven't broken in thought, word, or deed. If you're convicted by sin, um, good, then this meal is for you. If, that's, if that conviction makes you turn to Christ, run to the cross, this meal is for you to strengthen you. If there's sin in your life that you have just have been okay with and persist in and continuing to put yourself above your neighbor, above your family, if there's just some deep things that you haven't really come to terms with, but right now that this passage, it's hitting you. It says to, you need to be at peace with God and your neighbor. And the question is, you know, have you, have you, are you looking to him for forgiveness? Do you recognize you need his atoning sacrifice? These are important questions to ask. If you're not sure where you stand with Christ, if you're not looking, not desirous of His atoning work to cleanse you, then refrain. But if you desire that, if you know you're a sinner and need cleansing, know that you're a lawbreaker and need His righteousness, come to this table and be encouraged that you have it through faith. Come and partake together.
On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. As I, ministering in, this, in his name, give this bread to you. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for the, the salvation we have through Christ. We thank you as we have just spent time in, in the law and the applied law to Israel. Just Lord, how, how far we fall short. Lord, we desire to, to be mindful of others and not self-centered. We desire to, um, to, to show compassion to those in need. We desire to be pure in our worship and our conduct. And, and Lord, we, uh, we thank you that that desire comes from, from you. Lord, we thank you that you are, you are perfectly righteous. And through faith, we, we receive that righteousness. And you receive and have received and paid for all of our guilt. We thank you that we, we stand secure in you. And uh, Lord, help us as those who have been set free and no longer slaves to sin. Help us to, to live the life that's truly life by more and more uh, living like you, Lord Jesus. Uh, impl- implementing, applying your law, your good word to our lives. Use us uh, to that end to bring you glory and to, and to draw even our enemies to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.